It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Stephen Dennis is with us now, Bloomberg congressional reporter who's always very close to the leadership and has a good sense of uh, this conversation surrounding Mitch McConnell. Stephen, it's great to see you. I'm going to ask you a few things about this, but I'd like everyone to remember what Joe Biden said yesterday after he spoke with Mitch McConnell. He went down to FEMA headquarters to talk about the hurricane, but of course this is what was on people's minds. Speaking to Leader McConnell? Yes, I have. I spoke to Mitch. He's a friend, uh, um, and I, uh, I, I spoke to him uh, uh, today, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, he was his old self on the telephone. Uh, and uh, having um, a little understanding of uh, dealing with uh, neurosurgeons and people, and one of the leading women in my staff, her husband's a neurosurgeon as well. It's not un- at all unusual to have the response that sometimes happens to Mitch when you've had a severe concussion. So he sounds kind of like what the doctor actually said, uh, that Mitch McConnell's office quick to put out the doctor's note. Stephen Dennis, uh, they're pointing us essentially to uh, the symptoms that would follow a concussion. He did have a fall last year, as opposed to something age-related or, or more than that. What are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's troubling when you see one of the leaders have these freezing moments, yeah. uh, one of the most important people in the country. And, uh, you know, and it's not the first time, you know. So there's now questions about whether he's going to be able to continue as leader. Right now, all the people around him are sort of wishing him well. There are no Republican senators yet calling on him to step down, but there's going to be a very important meeting next week. The Senate Republicans, when they come back Mm -hmm. from their August recess, uh, they'll have lunch on Wednesday. They'll all be in the same room. Um, I I expect Mm -hmm. McConnell will be trying to put to rest questions about his ability to do the job. And then he has a press conference, usually right afterward, where it's the exact same scenario. Where he first froze. Where he first froze. And, and you know, I think there are real questions um, that you're starting to see. Uh, even typical allies of the senator, like National Review, last uh, yesterday yeah. said, you know, hey, it's time to start putting in place a succession plan let's let's is time there for, one? time for you to step aside well, there, there could be one that we don't know about right there's no succession plan but there are you know the three johns yes who are what to ask you who about. All, all want corn and thune barrasso yeah, for our they, listeners. They, they all want mcconnell's job i mean it's one of the best jobs in america you basically have a veto over any law that passes if you go back to 2007 when mcconnell first got this job mm. to today you know, there's like a, ha- a handful of laws that have been made in that time that he did not either support or acquiesce to. Mm-hmm. You know, 
other than the Affordable Care Act and, uh, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act and, and, and several more, every other law has had to go through Mitch McConnell's uh, veto. And and that's just the, 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 the power that he has over personnel, over timing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a few years ago, Mitch McConnell woke up and decided to ban smoking uh, or ban ban people under 21 from buying tobacco products and it just happened you know it's just uh you know it's amazing the the amount of power that guy has had and one of the ways that you're seeing the power is just how quiet people are being in the senate you know that nobody's getting out in front of him they're giving him time to sort of process this he put out this very short statement from the capital attending physician saying that he had been cleared to resume his schedule, but it was there was there was a lot that wasn't in that statement. It didn't really say what his underlying condition was. It didn't say if he has you know if he's on any medications or or has any other issues that we should be worried about, uh, other than saying that you know he's able to do the job and. And I think that this is going to be something where he's going to have a lot of tests to to prove that he's still able to do the job. And keep in mind, there's a lot of other things going on. We have a government shutdown. Well, fight. I was going to say, let's talk about the job. There are questions because we've you know we've we've talked about the budget battle a lot on this program. The idea of supplemental funding requests for FEMA for Ukraine, an actual budget for the government, knowing the I think one appropriations bill cleared committee in the House. Does it matter to have a potentially compromised leader at a time like these? How would it impact the negotiations? I think it could impact them a little bit. But, you know, the reality is this year is about uh, Kevin McCarthy. You know, a government shutdown will happen or not, depending on whether Kevin McCarthy wants to sort of rip off the Band-Aid and tell the Freedom Caucus and others who are demanding all sorts of things like defunding the Department of Justice's investigations into the former president um, and a a bunch of other demands they have that they're not going to get what they want on this stopgap spending bill Mm -hmm. to keep the government open after September 30th. Can he do it without them? He can certainly Does put, he have the votes? He, he could put a bill on the floor tomorrow that just extended existing spending that would pass. and it would probably get 300 votes. Now the thing is that with Democrats supporting Yes, it, of course. And and this is, you know, this is how Washington's worked when Republicans have been in charge. They haven't been able to pass too many bills uh, with their only Republican votes. They've been able to pass bills with Democratic votes and a majority of Republicans. And, you know, McConnell in the past had been the guy cutting those deals after the House passed over over some bill that was never going to pass the Senate. Mm -hmm. McConnell would cobble together something that would get enough Republican support Mm -hmm. and enough Democratic support and get to the president's signature. But already this year, you know, during the debt limit crisis, McConnell you know, sat down with me before the deal was cut yes, right. and said, look, you know, people think I, I have like some deal in my pocket here. And he reached <laughs> into Kevin's his, problems. yeah, he reached into his jacket and it's like, you know, I don't have some secret plan to, to end the debt limit crisis. McCarthy and, and Biden have to solve it. And he said that this time was different than, you know, a decade ago when he cut sure. these deals with Biden, that the House Republican Party is different. And I I think the House Republicans, there's so many of them that don't like McConnell. Mm -hmm. Trump doesn't like McConnell. Trump's been trying to get rid of McConnell. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, a a McConnell-blessed deal isn't necessarily going to help McCarthy get get past this point. 
Stephen Dennis, great to talk with you. When everyone comes back to town, I'd love to do this again uh, in a week or two when we actually have a sense of the trajectory of this whole thing. Is one of the only reporters to actually sit down with Mitch McConnell this year. Stephen Dennis, thanks for being with us. Bloomberg Congressional Reporter as we add the voice of Lester Munson. You know Lester from our political panels, BGR Government Affairs. Do you know he was not only the former staff director of Senate Foreign Relations Committee, he was the chief of staff uh, for Senator Mark Kirk when Senator Kirk had a stroke. This was a senator from Illinois. You might remember this uh, caused uh, by the uh, dissection of his uh, carotid artery. And for an entire calendar year, he was in recovery. Lester, thanks for coming to talk to us about this, because I'm sure you uh, will not forget that year. And I wonder your thoughts on the best way for Mitch McConnell's staff to handle him in these sensitive weeks going forward. Joe, one of the first things we did when we realized Senator Kirk would be out for a while is we asked Senator McConnell to come in as the leader and talk to the staff and reassure them that they were part of the Senate family and and uh, that we were gonna we were all gonna get through this together. And he did that. And he did a great job. So did Senator Durbin uh, and some other senators who were friends of Senator Kirk's. And, and what that brought home for me is that. This, and people don't really perceive this on the outside, I don't think. But when you're inside the Senate, you realize it is kind of a family and there is a lot of support. And I think that's the reason we're seeing President Biden be so, um, and there's some political reasons perhaps for him as well, but he's genuinely friends with Senator McConnell and he is concerned about him and he wants to be supportive. And that's that's largely how the Senate operates. When someone's in distress, the entire institution rallies around that senator, that that staff, that office, those those functions, and they and they work together to try and keep things going in in the breach, if you will. And so that's that's maybe something that we don't see as well from the outside. Yes, there are going to be members who are thinking about replacing McConnell, of course, because he's not going to be leader forever. But what's what's really going on now is everyone is coming together, particularly Republicans, to try and support the leader and get him through this to where, um, you know, he's it's apparent that he's fully functional and able to do the job. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's the thing. There's a Senate really comes together and it's kind of a nice thing. So if this ends up being side effects from a stroke, and there is actual recovery ahead, Lester. Could Mitch McConnell be in the Senate for years? He's 81 years old. Well, I think he, I think he could. Uh, there was a senator from South Dakota, Tim Johnson, uh, who got reelected after having a, a very severe stroke. And he had, um, you know, there were some consequences for his, uh, his faculties, uh, physically, mostly, uh, yeah. After that stroke, but he got reelected. He continued to do the job as senator. I think he was even chairman of the banking committee for quite some time. Uh, so there's precedent for this. Can he be the leader? Uh, that's a maybe a separate question from whether he can be a senator. So I think uh, his colleagues in the conference, as Stephen was saying earlier, they're going to come together next week. They're going to take a look at, at Senator McConnell. They're going to listen to him. They're probably already talking to him. They're going to have to make a, a kind of a group decision about how to proceed here. And if it looks like Senator McConnell is fine, as, as his doctor says, and as he's saying, then things will keep going. If there's some evidence that he can't do the job of leader, then there there may be a, a move afoot to have an election in the next few months to replace him. Again, it's not this is not he's not the commander in chief. 
not going to have to wake up at 3 a.m. to make some difficult call about American forces in harm's way or something like that. The Senate's a deliberative body. It takes months for the Senate to make any kind of decision anyway. So I'm I'm pretty confident Senator McConnell is going to continue his job even under under bad circumstances for for the for the time being, because you simply don't you know, he's going to be OK in the in the context of the Senate. The longer term, I think we we might be looking at some questions. There have been questions about, you know, the turnover here and potentially the next session of Congress, especially uh, lesser if Republicans win the majority, which is entirely possible. In fact, a lot of people are predicting that. Would the Republican conference in the Senate demand new leadership if that were the case? It's uh, that's a great question. There was a there was a contentious vote with Senator McConnell uh, uh, before this Congress started between Senator Scott from Florida and Senator McConnell and Senator Scott got 11 votes. So that's that's not not nearly a majority, of course, but it's a significant number of votes in the conference. There's there is a there's already kind of a national competition going between the three Johns and perhaps there are others who may throw their their hat into the ring. Um, I, I think we're I think we're likely to see a battle uh, at the appropriate point in the future. If there's a in the new Congress in early 2025, if Republicans are in the majority, it's either either we're going to see Senator McConnell reelected with a with a probably a tough battle as there was a few months ago, or or we're going to see new leadership that may that may have been selected at some point in the next year and a half, depending on his health situation. So I think regardless of uh, circumstances, we're going to we're going to see some changes and some. Uh, some competition here for the top job. I only have a minute left, Lester. Would you make sure to get Mitch McConnell at the podium next week, answer questions from reporters? Yeah, I think, you know, that's that's what I'd be doing uh, if if what we're hearing is is the is the kind of the full story that his health mm-hmm. is, in fact, fine. He can do his job. He's been cleared. They should get him out there to to be seen in public doing his job and reassure folks. That most important test, though, is with his fellow Republicans. And they are right. they are going to kind of go through that at lunch on Wednesday of next week. That'll be the first test. Next Wednesday, lunch. Maybe we'll talk to Lester after that. Great to have you back, Lester. Lester Munson at BGR Government Affairs. Typically a panelist, a Republican strategist. We talked to you here on Bloomberg Sound On, but a special firsthand insight to share today, and we thank you for it, Lester. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. 
the lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. It is Jobs Day, and for the White House, it brings good news. Stronger than expected payrolls, up 187,000 jobs, wage growth the slowest pace since early last year, participation up for the first time since March. President Biden speaking to the nation from the Rose Garden a short time ago. We've recovered all the jobs lost during the pandemic. We've added a million more new jobs. More than 700,000 people joined the labor force last month, which means the highest share of working age Americans are in the workforce now than at any time in the past 20 years. It's a good story to tell. Well, you wonder where we're heading with some real cross currents, some headwinds coming in September. So I went down to the Labor Department this morning to talk about it with the Acting Secretary of Labor, Julie Sue. We met outside, started by reading her a tweet from our next guest, Mark Zandi. He's going to be with us in just a minute. This is what Mark said on Twitter. The August jobs report could not be much better. Job growth solid but slowing. Unemployment rose. But for the right reason, more labor supply participation jumped. Wage growth growth continues to moderate hours work rose. The report, he says, has soft landing written all over it. And so I started by asking Madam Secretary if that's how she sees it. Here she is written all over it. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of job growth we'd want to see if we're looking for a soft landing. Mm -hmm. Well, with that said, unemployment is rising. And it's interesting to see Wall Street celebrating that. I'll ask you your thoughts on that in a moment. But the duration of unemployment is increasing. Is that because more people are looking for work or because of the many people on strike right now in this country? So the slight uptick in unemployment was due entirely to more people coming into the labor market. Mm -hmm. I think that is also a sign of optimism, right? It's a sign of the strength of our economy. It was also a very small uptick so that the overall unemployment rate remains under 4% for the longest stretch since uh, the 1960s. What do you think as we walk into this Labor Day when you see Wall Street rally on the idea of rising unemployment? I think that these are all signs that the president's economic agenda, what we call Bidenomics, his investing in America, right? The idea that if we do our jobs well, we can have a tight labor market where workers share in prosperity, where uh, you know we, we re- recover from the economic catastrophe of the global pandemic to a point where we have steady and stable growth, that all this is not only possible, but it's actually happening. You've been asked a lot about union actions lately with regard to the UAW, what's going on in Hollywood right now. There could be flight attendants involved. This could go uh, beyond that. I'm not going to ask you if you're getting involved yet, because I know you're waiting to be asked if that happens to make a decision at some point. But what are your models telling you if all of these strikes were to coincide in the fall? What would that mean for our economy? 
Right, so let's put all this in the context of the jobs day numbers that we're talking about. This is an economy that has defied all expectations in terms of its recovery, both the rapid pace of it and the and uh, you know the, the, how how broadly shared it is. This is Bidenomics in action. Part of the president's commitment is to empowering workers, making sure that workers get their fair share and do well. And part of that has meant that unions have more ability, power to demand changes at the bargaining table. We've seen some really good results from that, right? Uh, the Teamsters and UPS resolved their issues. Yeah. People wrung their hands about that too and wondered, you know, expected that not to happen. Sure. It not only happened, but they, they ratified a contract with some 86% of, of, of members. The West Coast ports, 29 ports resolved issues that were really complicated as well and have a multi-year contract. Mm -hmm. These are the, the, these are these are what what happens. Do you see this resolving what, itself? I mean, I'm not going to make a prediction about that, but I do think that the process requires that we respect the party's ability mm -hmm. and their continued commitment to bargaining at the table. I have to ask you about Taylor Swift. I don't know if you saw Taylor Swift when she came to town, but we're hearing that the impact, the Federal Reserve even mentioned this, of her tour and even Beyonce's tour to some extent helped to paper over some weakness that might have otherwise emerged in this jobs report. What's it going to look like when everyone comes off tour after the summer? So I'm going to say something about women in general, right? Okay. Women are powering this economic recovery. We can talk about Beyonce, we can talk about Taylor Swift. I want to talk about the record numbers of women in the job market now. Remember, during the pandemic, women were pushed out of the labor market through things like our lack of paid leave, uh, difficulty with accessing childcare. Those women are now back in the labor market. We have the fifth month of historic percentage of women in jobs, and I think we should continue that effort to create good jobs, create good union jobs, and make sure that everybody has access to them, including well, could women. Can we see a hiccup, though, when all of these tours come to an end? They're obviously employing more than women. Yeah, but women, I mean, looking at the, the labor market as a whole and jobs as a whole, um, I think that we're uh, fortunately broad-based recovery means we're not just reliant mm -hmm. on uh, on one or two superstars, but, but we're sure. really seeing what happens when people have confidence, when you create good jobs in all communities. And at the Department of Labor, we're really focused on making sure that everybody can get those jobs. Madam Secretary, happy Labor Day. I look happy forward to Labor seeing Day. you in a month. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. 
Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Is Ron DeSantis never back down Super PAC backing down? The headline on the terminal, DeSantis faces new setback as Super PAC halts some canvassing. And this is happening right now. The never back down cap shuttering door knocking operations in early voting Nevada. They go before South Carolina as well as California in the latest cut to the Republican contenders campaign. Officials from Never Back Down confirming the group plans to halt door-to-door canvassing in those states and preserve resources in early voting Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. Which brings us to another headline. DeSantis PAC asks donors for $50 million. Anybody got a spare 50? We need 50 million bucks. Let's reassemble the panel. Jeannie Shanzano joins Bloomberg Politics contributor and Democratic analyst. And Lisa Camuso-Miller is back with us today. Republican strategist at Reset Public Affairs, former RNC communications director. What's going on here, Lisa? I know that after the debate, there was a lot of question about the trajectory of the DeSantis campaign, having seen Polling numbers uh, declined significantly over the past couple of months and just constant attacks from Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis came off the campaign trail to deal with a hurricane in Florida. Some thought that might be another reset. What does this tell you when a super PAC starts to reorganize resources like this? Well, they certainly reevaluate and change plans all the time on the campaign uh, level, and that's certainly something that It doesn't necessarily surprise me. It surprises me more, Joe, to read that there are questions inside of the super PAC about whether or not some of those states have such a heavy influence from the Trump campaign that they've decided to reconfigure some of their uh, approach. And that's interesting to me, too. Does the Trump campaign have so far of a reach into some of these states that it's making it difficult for DeSantis's money to go far enough in order to make a difference. That's mm-hmm. that to me is even more interesting. So as much as I see that they're recalibrating and they're changing their 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 process, I also think, though, Joe, it's so early still that to be spending money. So their burn rate must be off the charts. They must be reconfiguring some to make sure that they're more tactically smarter, making decisions that aren't necessarily putting all of their money out there too quickly in advance. But he already has probably more money than every other candidate. So I, to me, I just feel like it's a recalibration. Yes, there's been a lot of recalibration, but I also think that there is uh, something to be said for Ron DeSantis and his political team. Um, in a state like Florida, he won 33 out of 37 uh, counties. I mean, he is a he is a smart political guy, so I would not count him out. Well, that's important, Jeannie, as we hear uh, from Jeff Rowe, strategist, a DeSantis strategist, talking to donors last Wednesday. He, quote, let me tell you a secret. Don't leak this. Unquote. My favorite part of the story. <laughs> we need to do this now, he says. After Labor Day, we're launching. We need your help to stay up and go hard the rest of the way. We need 50 million bucks. Like it reminds me of that scene in Vacation when 
Chevy Chase's brother-in-law asks him for the money, and he puts the wallet right back in his pocket. $50 million at this stage, Jeannie, can they do that? <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite part, too. Don't leak this. And I also liked when he said, the good news is we have the money in this room. The bad news is it's in your pockets. I mean, it was like a bad, you know, Hollywood movie where he was pitching for this money. And let's not forget, he wants $50 million before yeah. the second debate. That's September 27th. Um, you know, but Jeff Rowe, he knows how to raise money. <laughs> he does it well. He's always done it well. He probably will yeah. get it. But this is just, to me, speaks volumes because another thing he said in this, well, a couple things. Number one, he said that if they don't get this, they are likely to lose because this is all going to come down to the big states we know about, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, in the end. In other yes. words, he is saying what a lot of establishment Republicans are saying is that Trump can simply not win the general election. So there's that. Then he also really put a timeline on this thing. He said, give me this 50 million, 60 days. Well, that takes you to about November. So I yep. read this as Jeff Rowe saying, if DeSantis doesn't have his, what, 100th comeback, by November, this thing is done. So I don't think that we have as much time as we usually do in a typical election. I think yeah. the clock is ticking. Jeffro is telling big time donors. Why? Because in that debate, Nikki Haley really wiped the floor with Ron DeSantis. Donors are attracted to her. He's worried they're fleeing. And he's saying one last time, give it to me. I'll show you some return on your investment. If that doesn't come, DeSantis is probably toast in this thing. Wow. All right. Well, we have a little disagreement here, I guess. And by the way, this is all coming from The New York Times. They got an audio recording of this whole thing in which Roe did say that DeSantis needs to beat Donald Trump in the next 60 days and separate himself from the pack from the other rivals, quote unquote, now. With an update on Donald Trump and his legal woes, remembering he pleaded not guilty or is going to without showing up in court in Georgia, there's been this big push for a special legislative session. Uh by the former president and his allies to oust Fonnie Willis, the Fulton County D.A. Enter Governor Brian Kemp. Remember, the Republican governor of Georgia. You know, these are the distractions that get you to lose elections. The last time we were talking about special sessions here in the state of Georgia, just a few weeks later, the Republican majority lost two U.S. Senate races. Lisa, Brian Kemp continues to be Donald Trump's worst nightmare. He says, come back in the regular session if you want to do this. It appears there may be no hiding from the charges Fonnie Willis has brought for Donald Trump. Is that how you see it? I mean, Governor Kemp is a leader in our party. He is, I mean, he is saying the truth. He is talking about the fact that the election has not been stolen. He's standing behind the elected officials and the, the leaders in the state. He's doing what we expect our elected officials to do, Joe. And so to me... Yeah, he absolutely is the fly in the ointment for the former president, but he is a patriot. I mean, it's amazing and it's fantastic. And I wish there were more Republicans that would stand up and say the same. It's talking like a Democrat, almost, Jeannie, but that's <laughs> kind of the special thing about Georgia, isn't it? The Republican leadership in that state, just not big fans of Donald Trump. Yeah, that's right. And he is absolutely telling the truth. I agree with Lisa. You know, they lost, the Republicans lost two Senate seats for the first time in 
modern history just about and they lost it because they were playing these kind of games that brian kemp is pushing back against this is not the way to win the suburbs this is not the way to win independents and moderates hmm. when you go down this road you risk losing and that's what they did in 2021 and the risk is they do it again all over and so he's trying to stop that but he's going yeah, to get doesn't seem back like the governor is going to allow that to happen. I'm sure that's also simultaneously true. We'll keep uh, the beat on Brian Kemp for you. Final thoughts from our panel next. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. As we head into this weekend where you might see a barbecue or, I don't know, maybe a bottle of beer at some point, we have to put this story to bed. We'll do it right. Just pour one for the panel. I mean, I'm still working. there. Can't do that on the air. Let's bring back uh, Jeannie Shanzano and Lisa Camuso Miller. Listen to the head on that thing. All right, so we got an update from the White House on the two beers a week scandal. We talked about it yesterday. This is the biggest controversy gripping the nation's capital. Remember what Ted Cruz said about this? He was very upset about it. That Americans could be limited to no more than two beers a week, he suggested. New strict alcohol guidelines. It follows an interview with Dr. George Koob. This is one of the health czars, I guess, at the White House. Health. He's talking to the Daily Mail, of all people, of all places, about whether the U.S. might revise its alcohol guidance to match Canada's, where indeed people are advised to have just two drinks a week. I never heard that. I thought they loved beer in Canada. Just while we're... There's two panelists. Okay, here we are. Now, we finally heard from the White House on this. It's straight from the press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre. Pretty, uh, pretty tight tweet here quote this claim is absolutely false Jeannie Shanzano does this go into the gas stove file it goes into the gas stove file it goes into the green M&M file Joe Matthew oh. it's a Labor Day weekend and you're not giving Lisa or I any of this beer that you're opening I just want to note I, that so I set them up we for are both waiting. I, well, that's all right so does, does this Send stuff work over, Lisa Joe. Listen to Ted Cruz. Did you hear him on Fox? I, I, we did this yesterday. I just, I can't resist They're trying it. to go after and regulate ceiling fans. I got to tell you, no, it's hot it in Texas. We don't want to get rid of our ceiling beer. fans. This and was... now these idiots have come out and said, drink two beers a week. That's right. their guideline. Well, I got to tell you, if they want us to drink two beers a week, frankly, they can kiss my ass. All right. So I don't know. That was Newsmax, actually. Lisa, who's right here? I don't know, but it's certainly not good news for anybody to make that kind of re- recommendation with the way that uh, the White House and the administration, oops, bingo, saying hello. Uh, it just seems to me like it's going it's going in the category with the gas stoves and all the rest. Absolutely not. I guess it is. Yeah. Gas stoves, shower heads, toilets, dishwashers. Thank you for humoring me, Jeannie Shanzano and Lisa Camuso Miller. Thanks for listening to the Sound On Podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already at Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can find us live every weekday from Washington, D.C. at 1 p.m. Eastern Time at Bloomberg.com. The Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit returns to London on April 25th. 
for a solution-driven look at the sustainable business and finance landscape, looking at the latest trends in ESG regulations, supply chain innovation and transition finance. Speakers include leaders from CDP, Emirates Environment Group, TNFD, Ctrace, COA and more. Summit advisors include City and Schneider Electric. Visit BloombergLive.com slash SBS 2024 to learn more.